Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Realm of Unknown. I apologize for this being a little bit delayed again. Uh, God, I've been so horrible with my schedule lately, and uh, I don't know, work stuff is kind of a bit of a transition, and um, I'm currently in the motions of moving back home because yay college loan debts <laughs> and um my uh, my lease is also ending soon so yeah but yeah i mean other than that i have been hard at work getting some episodes prepared for you guys and one in particular is the one that we're going to be talking about today it is actually a topic that i talked about on one of my previous youtube channel episodes and uh i was I've been sprinkling hints about this one over on Twitter if you follow me there. And I just did a bunch of research for this. I don't know if it's perfect or not. It's sort of similar to when I did, uh, well, gosh, I'm blanking the location, uh, Bobby Mackey's. When I did the research for that and how I structured it is sort of how I went about this one. And that's a lot of sort of just background history and then going into the specific claims and certain reports and sightings and just weird goings-on in the location and they're just sort of sprinkling in my own little insight based off of stuff i looked at and stuff i've seen so we'll see how it goes again i'm not perfect at this by any means and uh, i apologize for any audio um quality in the background because again right now i am in a transitional period and uh that is involves me having to record in very very odd spaces um right now i'm in like a blanket fort in my closet so yeah it's it's not ideal but we'll see perhaps i'll have some more time and space when i um you know i'm back home and i have a little bit more lenience with it so without a further ado i guess i should just get into this topic i don't really have any more announcements for you guys and i don't want to keep you guys waiting any longer than you already have so uh today's episode and today's topic that we're going to be talking about is none other than the bridgewater triangle so similar to other spots that i'm going to be talking about in the future uh the bridgewater triangle is sort of just like a hodgepodge of everything and i think it's probably my not this particularly, but it's definitely my sort of subcategory of favorites when it comes to the paranormal and all that stuff. Just places that just have so much weird stuff going on that you just have to like compile a list. You can't just look at it once and know everything about it. And uh, that's what this location 100% is. So I am going to be talking about a little bit of the backstory and giving you guys a bit of context on the location and then i'm going to be talking about some of the specific like parts and weird sightings that people see and report and then from there i'm gonna you know it's weird towards the end but let me start so a very brief history if anyone who does not know or anyone who's not in the location of this spot the location in question of the Bridgewater Triangle is relatively about 200 square miles, uh, roughly 520 square kilometers for anyone not in the U.S. or the, the two other countries in the world that, you know. And it's located in the southeastern portion of Massachusetts here in the U.S. And it's essentially one of the northeast's equivalent to the phenomena which is more notorious being the Bermuda Triangle. So if you have if you need any point of reference for what we're going to be talking about in a way, look up 
or I mean, if you should, I, I don't, I don't know if you have to look it up, but if you know what the Bermuda Triangle is, you should have a relative grasp on what the Bridgewater Triangle is. So the Bridgewater Triangle, again, it's in Massachusetts. And the triangle itself refers to the enclosed area from three distinct points in Massachusetts being towns of the state, and that is being Abington, Rehoboth, and Freetown. That, those three points are the points that create the boundaries of this triangle and are also the points that encompass all of these weird paranormal goings-on. Uh, not all of them. Some of them are outdoors of the, of the border itself, but for a good portion of the things that I'm going to be talking about, it takes place with either in these towns or within the area, like enclosed within them. Okay, so a lot of a lot like other locations across the globe, uh, with these you know weird phenomenons going on. Like I mentioned, the Bermuda Triangle is a good example. I believe there's one off the coast of Japan. I could be wrong. I think it's called like the Dragon's Triangle or something, uh, or the Devil's Triangle. Uh, and I believe there's one up in Vermont too but i could be wrong on that as well uh but there's a lot of these locations around the globe and the bridgewater triangle is absolutely no exception when it comes to the alleged paranormal phenomena that happened there so what could you see here is a pretty long list you've got ufo sightings strange mysterious creatures weird like cult activity potentially and it's just just a long long list so these events and sightings were officially gathered and collected and given a voice and a specific boundary uh, and name, the, the name Bridgewater Triangle. It was all coined by a cryptozoologist named Lauren Coleman. Now, some reports have him as a cryptozoologist, but others just have him as like a paranormal investigator. And uh, he has, I guess he has a lot of titles. I, I just wrote cryptozoologist uh, because within his book, uh, mysterious America is where he outlined all these things. And again, he he is the one who coined this specific boundaries and gave it the name Bridgewater Triangle. Again, there's other things that stretch over the border, but this guy kind of set the definitive what we know it as today type boundaries. So into the backstory of the location, I tried my best, so bear with me, and uh, definitely bear with me when it comes to pronouncing any of these names because I'm not an expert, and I'm not from the Boston area, so I won't know all of them, and I'm definitely not an expert when it comes to Native American pronunciation, so I will try my best. So like many areas along the... Oh, again, I'm reading off a script, so I know, I apologize for it being weird. Uh, a lot of like... Oh my gosh. <laughs> a lot of locations across the uh, east coast of the United States, the Bridgewater Triangle has a really rich history to it. Uh, especially since it's really, really close to Boston, like I mentioned. Uh, it's a roughly a half hour, I believe, half hour south from the major city, and it draws upon its history dating all the way back to colonial era settlements and, and a lot of stories uh, that we'll be talking about and a lot of legends that we'll be talking about even further back than that, going into a lot of native tribes and the regional legends that they have surrounding the area. So with that, I'm going to go into some of the profound locations and landmarks that are provided within this general location that just have an interesting history and have some ties into the later reports and stories that we're going to be talking about. Because, again, this is a pretty big area, so there's some distinct points that I just want to mention to give you some context. So first and foremost, ugh, 
first and foremost. First and foremost, uh, located in the center of the triangle and taking up a pretty big portion of the region, uh, sits Hakamok Swamp, and I could be pronouncing that wrong, so I apologize, uh, used by the Wampanoag Indian tribe uh, for several generations before European colonists eventually arrived to the location. Dating even further back than them, some indigenous people have lived in the area as artifacts and human settlements have been discovered dating way back like nine, ten thousand years ago. So people have been in this region for a pretty good time. Uh, starting around 300 AD and going up into colonial times, native tribes depended on the swamp as a source of just everything they they hunted here they uh, had a lot of bounty there and they got you know it was a very very big woodland area along with making the swamp a uh, very sacred ground though there's a lot of uh reference to worship and sort of fear uh within their religion to the swamp itself the wampadogs again both worshiped and feared this region as their chief deity of death and disease called hope Hobanmok? Gosh, I'm sorry if anyone, again, I'm not an expert on this. Um, This deity is said to dwell within the swamp, and the tribe called the swamp the name Hakamok, which means place where spirits dwell. This could be completely wrong. Uh, Believe me, when I try my best when it comes to research, uh, but especially when it comes to Native American stuff, based off my experience and no health and that comes to this a lot of people seem to get it wrong and i'm just trying my best to recap things um so if anyone has questions i will have um like link notes to things that i've referenced for this information so if you have any corrections you can let me know uh hakamak meaning place where spirits dwell okay Uh, And eventually, when early English colonists began to settle in the area, they too were referring to the swamp by another name, the Devil's Swamp. So in the 17th century, moving up a bit in time here, the swamp was used as a fortress by the Wampanoag Indians during the invasion uh, by early English settlers during the King Philip War. Now, it's going to get confusing, so let me try my best to you know, work this out here. Uh, it became, during this war, the swamp itself became a strategic uh, strategic base of operations for Chief Met... Oh, God. Metacomet. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who used the region to, init- ooh, to initiate attacks against English settlements. So, a little side note here. This chief, Chief Metacomet, is also King Philip. So, I know... Th- confusing uh so this guy he has his birth name but then he also adopted an english name and his english name was king philip i don't know why i don't know why he chose that 100 percent uh but he adopted an english name and that's what the war is called i don't know why they don't just call it by his actual name it's confusing because you think oh english philip okay uh, but yeah, so whenever I mention King Philip, I'm talking about this Wampanoag chief. So if anyone's confused, that's who I'm talking about. So they used the region to initiate attacks against English settlements. Later on, during the 18th and 19th century, uh, Euro-American settlers ultimately considered the swamp to be rather like waste of space, in uh, simple terms. 
and they attempted to drain part of the swamp in order to create farmlands. Think sort of like DC area type stuff where they wanted to expand the region and really utilize it for more settlement. But you can't really use a swamp, so they, they attempted to drain it. Not a whole lot of uh, you know progress was made there. So moving on, uh, for the next you know distinct landmark within the triangle itself, we have the Freetown Fall River State Park. This, again, takes up a pretty decent portion of space. Um, and within this park, uh, there is a specific rock known only as Profile Rock, which stands tall amongst the trees within the forest. It's a natural granite formation that has many foreseers uh, believing that it resembles that of a human face uh, looking out over the woods. I can kind of see it. I'll be posting some photos of this location, so if you want to you know, put your own opinions. I don't really see the face. I can get what they're trying to say, but I don't see it. A lot of uh, locals claim that natives of the region believed the face to be that of the previous chief that we mentioned's father, uh, being that of Chief Masasut, again, being King Philip's father. Uh, at this point, King Philip, you know, they believe he died at this location as well. And the father of this chief, uh, who was rather friendly with new English settlers. So he has some pretty good history to the location. And as of today, though, however, the location is pretty much littered with graffiti. And it's kind of just like a hangout spot for local youths and adolescents and just people who just want to explore the the region at night and stuff like that. So it's kind of defaced, which is kind of sad because, again, it's supposed to be a relatively... Uh, worshipped spot and sacred in some ways but if you travel just a few miles away from this rock um it's another rock called the solitude rock it's it's a lot out there um it's also known by the solitude stone uh so this stone is special due to being covered with a century and a half old inscription so these inscriptions are believed to be carved by the reverend Timothy Otis Payne of the New Church of Jerusalem. Gosh, titles. A Christian sect founded in the principles of the occultist Emmanuel Swedensburg. I looked it up. That's how you pronounce it. It's just Sweden and then Berg. Whose philosophies were said to have helped play a role in inspiring Freemasonry. So, again, a lot of history dating far back. Uh, In his direct... uh, I just blanked on where I am. In his doctrine of correspondence, Swedensburg assorted that the physical world was the result of spiritual causes, and that the laws of nature reflected that of the spiritual laws. So it's a—I don't—I look, tried to look this up. Um, I don't believe it's like a cult, cult in in like the sense of like you know they're sacrificing everyone, all this crazy stuff. When, when I mean a cult, I just mean like arcane like very spiritual very in tuned with stuff uh i mean like that and it, again this is dating back further so their version of things are kind of weird already <laughs> um they're dated obviously so bear with me but they don't really come into this whole stuff a lot they literally just pertain to this stone uh it is weird i will again we're posting photos of this stone um there aren't from what i can understand too many weird stories with it However, the inscriptions themselves uh, have a weird poem and stuff, but it gets more interesting because there is another stone, (laughs) just rolling down a list of stones, 
that is like way crazier. So this one, uh, this much more mysterious spot and stone is known as Dighton Rock. I hope I'm pronouncing that right because, again, I, I talked about this on my YouTube channel. People went crazy. They're like, you pronounced it wrong. Oh, this thing you've never been to or known about or location. Oh, you pronounced it wrong. And I'm just sitting here. I'm like, hey, I don't get crazy upset when I people pronounce Schuylkill wrong in Philadelphia. Okay, so back off for a moment. I tried to look it up. I believe it's pronounced Dighton. Uh, I think I pronounced it Dayton last time. So it's Dighton, like D-I-G-H-E-N, but it's spelled like bright with a D and then on. So yeah, bear with me. Uh, Dighton Rock. Uh, so someone or a group of people with some weird unknown origin are related to this rock. Again, it's a mysterious thing. So what is it? The rock itself has a bunch of figures of people and animals and symbols carved all over it. And the the rock is not like a rock rock. It is a big boulder. Like it's the size of like a Volkswagen. It's, it's a big thing. But no one really knows, the, no one really seems to know, I should say, who created this thing. Like it wasn't really in plain sight. They had to move it up from a river at one point. And it's just such a weird thing to have with, like, no context to it. Uh, So the origin and meaning of the markings themselves have been the subject of debate for centuries since it's been discovered. And a lot of theorists have been divided on who or what group or what people are responsible for the petroglyphs. Some people think that ancient Native American tribes were held responsible. Others think uh, Phoenicians, Norse travelers who came here early on in history... Uh, people think even colonial uh, Portuguese and stuff. And some people even think that uh, like medieval Chinese sailors somehow came here way back and just carved this. So all of these groups have been considered. No one has any solid evidence on like which one. Uh, a lot of the symbols resemble different languages and different tribes. So it's kind of like a mishmash. So again, no one really knows what's going on. Uh, but in, 19, in the 1950s, the stone, again, was removed from the river that it's been settled in and uh, deposited off onto, like, the shore area. And there's actually a museum on the location at this point, just kind of built up around it. And you can go there. You can just go there and have tours, and they'll talk about the, the history and the theories and all this stuff. And it's I, I would love to go there. It looks like fun. But it's all volunteer work, and it's all locals. So if you want to go there and you want to support the, the region have at it go go explore this museum and that's it for the background (laughs) it's a little short i know um but bear with me it's only because there's a crazy amount of stuff on here the last time i did like an open outdoors location spot with a lot of history and, and reports uh was back in i believe this third fourth episode whatever Clinton Road was. I believe Clinton Road was the third episode. And I kind of went back and forth between different reports and background history. And I think I focus a little too much on the physical location of itself. And I did talk about like the weird goings on, but I felt like I kind of wanted to talk about more um, because I found that more interesting. 
Avi because it's you know I'm a paranormal thing right now and you guys came here for the weird stuff. So I wanted to just give some more time and some more energy into the paranormal claims. And there are a lot to the point in which I had to like separate like my categories into subcategories. So first we're going to be talking about the ghosts and the weird paranormal stuff. And then we're going to move on into the like cryptid slash like physical like creature type things. And then we're going to talk about UFOs because there are aliens here apparently. And then finally we're going to just talk about weird stuff that potentially have a lot of like real life possibilities. So that's how I'm, I'm wrapping this up. Explainer finished. Let's talk about this. So first off, we're talking about the ghosts and everything fun and exciting in that regard. We have, uh, within this forest and within all these weird several spooky places that can be seen, uh, there's a lot of really dark and like, like kind of creepy presences that people are reporting. Uh, but the like the most infamous spot for this sort of activity, like this more evil presence, this more looming uh, essence when you're there, is a 80-foot-deep rock quarry, which is known as Ascent Ridge, or, in other words, just called The Ledge. Uh, it's a scar that's been left on the landscape due to the uh, Fall River Granite Company back in the 1800s. And people who visit this location, who come there up onto the ridge, have often spoke of being compelled and just like having this overwhelming fear, or not this fear, this overwhelming urge and like desire to just throw themselves off the ledge. Like they just jump off. Allegedly, there have been people that have done this. I didn't really deep dive too much into this because... I feel like even if I did look into it, it would have been a lot of like, it would it wouldn't have been very solid. I feel like in a lot of sense, um, a lot of solid evidence to provide things. But apparently, within this legend, people have jumped to their deaths. So keep that in mind. Others who have visited the location have talked about having a feeling or sense of just dread in general when going up to the ledge or just being near it. Uh, and visitors have also reported seeing ghosts up and along the cliffs, and the cliffs themselves are apparently, apparently, a hot spot for a lot of Satanists and strange occult activity, as well as several UFO sightings. So this ledge is like one of the crazy, like mishmash hotspots, the place you like don't really want to go on your own. I, I wouldn't. I would go there with like a group maybe in the daytime. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to run into an occultist and jump off and hit the UFO on my way down. So moving on, let's talk, let's let's backtrack a little bit and we'll talk about uh, Profile Rock, the second thing we talked about in the backstory region. The one that sort of resembles the face of the Wampanoag chief, uh, Mas- Massasset, I believe it's his name was, Mass. Massasset. <laughs> I'll write it down somewhere for you guys to see. So profile, I'll just call it Profile Rock. It, profile Rock has been experiencing a lot of paranormal uh, reports itself. Once again, the location is believed to be very sacred to the Wampanoag people of the region. Again, because it resembles the image of their ch- of one of their chiefs, uh, while also being a place in which uh, that chief's son eventually died. 
So it just has a lot of history to the region and to the people. Again, it's sacred. Local legends say that Native American ghosts can be seen dancing around and often uh, wearing warrior garb. Uh, they're dancing around the rock in what people believe to be some sort of like ceremonial dance. Again, these are kind of like ghostly figures, so a lot of these reports are kind of blurred in a lot of ways. Uh, but for the most part, people assume or believe that these are spirits that are dancing. Another spirit uh, is also seen, uh, a spirit of a man, has been seen and sighted sitting up on top of the rock with his arms outstretched forward. He's just kind of sitting there crisscross applesauce with his arms reaching out over the horizon, just, I guess, looming above you. Because it's a tall rock. I would not want to see that when I walk in the night. Um, others have also reported... Uh, having seen very strange glowing orbs of light uh, that have been seen around the rocks location in general along with a lot of people that are kind of like walking around the region so stepping a little bit away from the rock people report hearing disembodied voices potentially this is me speculating here potentially i'm assuming linking back to the dancing uh native spirits maybe I don't know. I mean, if they're dancing, you know, the if it is like a ritual type thing or if it is a ceremonial thing, I'm assuming that it's going to make noise or dancing. Uh, and it might even be accompanied with music. I don't know. There's no real reports of music being played, but I, I don't know, maybe chanting. I'm trying to give an explanation as to why people might hear voices and also see dancing things. So I don't know. Similar to the themes and sightings um, from this rock, we'll take a step back. Uh, there's actually a, get this, another rock within Bridgewater Triangle. Um, it's not as big as like the other spots that we talked about, so I saved it for just the paranormal uh, section of this talking. And uh, this one's called Anawan Rock. Uh, it's named after Chief Anawan. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Uh, who surrendered at the location to the colonists, uh, essentially kind of being like the marking point for the end of the King Philip War. Uh, so during that whole crazy stuff. Legend uh, has it that there are sightings of angry spirits of Indian warriors that continue to haunt the location. Uh, starting spectral fires, just doing crazy stuff. Uh, while apparitions have also been seen dancing around this location as well again linking it back to profile rock so both locations in a sense are sacred both locations have a lot of history to it so it's reasonable to believe that the ancient natives of this location have ties there i guess in the spirit realm so okay i'm just going on i'm reading off my laptop uh so bear with me here um Usually I print my stuff out for these big things, but I have nine pages of written stuff on my laptop. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to zoom in. I'm going to read. I got my glasses on. But I think it's slowing down my response time. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, actually, how long are we in? Oh, we're about like a half hour. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> I always think I'm talking way faster than I am. I also think I'm talking a lot louder than I am. But my voice comes across very monotone. So I guess we're there. But enough with my own struggles and weird mishaps. Um, that's only for the beginning and end of the episode. Uh, <laughs> so moving along, getting back to what you guys actually want to listen to. 
All throughout the Bridgewater Triangle, paranormal reports have also been uh, made by locals and visitors and just hikers alike. Mysterious glowing eyes of unseen creatures and beings that are just kind of lurking in the darkness have been reported, along with glowing lights and sighting uh, that sort of hover around the tree lines, sort of think uh, like a wisp type thing. It's all disembodied type stuff. Again, Native American ghosts and spirits have also been seen here. In this particular instance, uh, Native American ghosts have been seen paddling up and down the rivers within canoes. So that's interesting. I guess they have spectral canoes. That's the first time I've heard about that sort of stuff in a location before. So pretty cool. Uh, they're seen in most of the forest's waterways. So I just wrote rivers. I'm assuming there's ponds and lakes. I believe there's one lake. Uh, but there was no particular specification when it came to that they just said water where uh, water areas oh god i forgot how long the ghost section was okay so this one's a doozy and i'm gonna mention a note at the end when i finish this one so a uh, one of the more i guess infamous ghostly legends that come out of the triangle is the story of this, this is a story uh is the story of a couple who was driving up along Route 44 back in October of 1984 when their car broke down. So they pulled up alongside the road, and the husband of the pair, or the, I guess the man, uh, walked up the road on his way to locate a payphone, and he stumbled into uh, what he believed was a stranger, just like a hitchhiker walking along the road. It specified that he had red hair, so okay. And again, so he, he believed this is a hitchhiker. He just kind of happened upon this man. And the, the the man who was looking for the payphone asked the stranger for help, assuming, you know, maybe maybe he might be a local. But the stranger just kind of remained silent, kind of ignored him. And upon asking the question another time, uh, the man then noticed that the stranger's face was contorted and, like, warts and, like, just ghoulish and like just kind of falling apart so out of fear the man ran back to his car to tell his wife what happened but little did he know that his wife was standing outside of the car waiting for him with like a look of just fear and terror on her face and he asked her like what is wrong what's going on why are you out of the car and she stated that while she was sitting in the car she had turned on the radio and heard a deranged laughter and taunting voice calling out her name <laughs> which I don't know how real this is, but I'm just like thinking in my head. I'm like, if I'm in a car and my significant other or whoever I'm with got out after we're in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, I don't know if this is nighttime, the story doesn't specify. If you just turn on the radio and you just hear like a maniacal, like Joker-esque laugh and like repeating your name and taunting you. Oh my God. Cause I, I'll talk about it again. Uh, hold on. So let me finish this up real quick and then I'll talk about why I, I can kind of understand this in a way so that's the end of the story but there is a note that i wanted to mention that i said before the this is again a story so there are lots of reports and lots of versions when it comes to this red-headed hitchhiker some have it being a stranger some have this spirit being someone that you know people ask like hey do you need a ride and he says yes and then he like is about to get into the car and he just disappears others just see him on the road and he disappears so there's a lot of different versions and a lot of different like alter alternate facts i guess when it comes to the spirit 
ultimately, I would just chalk it up to being um, sort of similar to just Phantom Hitchhikers. It's a type of, I guess, subsection of ghosts that you can see a lot in like different highways, sort of like forest roads. I believe, I don't know if I mentioned it or not in any of these stories. I believe I sort of mentioned it once with Clinton Road. Uh, I know there is one up in Maine. Uh, I talked about it a little bit on a previous video that I might even mention about. Uh, There was a news report in Japan that had something similar where taxi drivers were reportedly uh, picking up passengers that like disappeared mid-drive. Like they just vanished within the car. So there's like a weird subsection of ghosts. And I believe actually, I believe there's a really famous one outside of Chicago, but I could be wrong. There's like a weird subsection of ghosts and spirits that pertain directly to highways and hitchhiking and just cars and all this weird stuff. Uh, think episode one. Um, gosh, how much of a nerd I am. Think episode one of Supernatural <laughs> for anyone who's listening. That subsection where the woman, you know, was on the side of the road and got people to take her home and stuff like that. Okay, so here's my, I guess, spin on this story uh, and how I can kind of understand it if it is true. My big takeaway is the ending with the the, the wife or the woman or whoever the significant other is. And uh, because if you guys listened, I believe it was episode four when I talked about it. Um, I talked about like personal experiences and just personal paranormal stuff that happened to me. And one of the... One of, like, the first things that ever really happened that kind of, like, kickstarted my weird wave of nonsense that was happening uh, in middle school and high school uh, was a time when I went home and a voice somehow on my phone came through just, like, crying and sobbing and, like, calling out and all this crazy stuff to the point in which, like, 15-year-old me or whatever at the time... Uh, was so spooked, so spooked that I dropped and like kind of threw my phone on the ground, took my dog and sat outside. Like that's how scared I was at that moment because um, I was alone and I didn't know what was going on. And to this day, I don't have an explanation. I still have the phone, but I don't have an explanation for it. But if you want to listen to that story, I believe it's episode four or five of the podcast. It's under personal stories. It was interesting. So I, I don't know. I sympathize for this wife or whomever uh, and her having to sit through a guy just laughing derangedly into her radio. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I guess we'll take a short break right now. Ad roll, I guess. (laughs) Uh, I I never really call this out. I guess I should. We'll be right back, and I'll finish up the ghost sections, and then I'll just talk about all the other stuff, and we'll finish this up, because I hope you guys are enjoying it. I am. Um, We got a few more ghost stories, and then we're going to talk about some cryptids. So I'll be right back. Bye. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay, and we are back. Uh, laughs off. We just talked about the hitchhikers, I believe. And, um,. Okay, so I'm not going to continue on with the ghost stories. I'm not going to ramble on because I want you guys to enjoy this. Uh, so, uh, again, there's a lot of versions um, pertaining to these stories uh, involving the hitchhiker we talked about. There's a like, weird subsect of all this stuff. Uh, so I would technically classify it as sort of like an urban legend, like an, a local legend, so to speak. Uh, there's also another story that kind of pertains within this field or, I guess, classification of an urban legend. And this is, this in particular, is a phantom truck that is seen uh, and reported either on or along the highway of the region. Uh, The truck itself is reported to be honking very loudly and just driving real crazy behind people and just, you know, just causing panic and stress and then just disappears. The thing is, though, the reason why I put this under urban legend is because some of the reports that I found pertaining to that, again, it's really quick, it's really short, the reason why I put it there is because in some of the spots that I looked up, they mention the story and they just mention it and they move on. However, there are a few sources and links and just things I found that are more like local based. In that one, it kind of fleshes out the idea that people have been asked about the story, like locals or people who live along or near the highways. They've been asked specifically like, hey, have you heard about this weird truck that like you know, it tries to get people off the road, goes crazy and just disappears. And in a lot of cases, locals are like, what are you talking about? Like, I've never heard about this. Why are you mentioning this? This doesn't, this doesn't exist. So for some weird reason, it seems that a lot of the people that this affects are people that aren't from the spot, or I guess people who write about this story are not from the location or they're making it up so i i'm filing this one under urban legend the phantom truck because there's just so many weird contradictions to the story it's very vague it it matches a lot of other reports we talked about in clinton road there's a similar truck and i believe there's a road in delaware that has a very similar effect too so it's like a thing it's been on the internet um and it seems to be a very new story as well that was another thing that was mentioned is that a lot of the reports of the phantom truck are in much more recent years. It's like the newest thing out of all these weird spooks. <laughs> but there is one last little paranormal thing that I want to talk about. Uh, this is actually within the town of Rehoboth. It is the one room uh, Horbin School. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, again, it's in Rehoboth, Massachusetts, and it is said to be haunted by its former inhabitants. So this school was built back in the 1840s, and the school was active up until around 1937, 36 or so. However, you can actually go and visit the school today on certain Sundays and special days during the summer, or if you could set up an appointment with them. So if you want to do that, it's Hornbin School. Uh, it is a, I guess, I forget the word for it. Uh, oh, it's, it's schoolhouse, like a, like that's the term i guess um it's like a really small shack out in the middle of nowhere um it's like a one room schoolhouse type thing if you can need a 
visualization in your mind. Over the years, uh, despite this building's rather small size, as mentioned, uh, visitors at the location have reported hearing voices, disembodied noises, and other paranormal activity both inside the little like one-room building as well as outside and around the schoolhouse. Some people believe that the spirits have been awakened on this location, like specifically for this location, due to the structure itself having been put through renovations back in 1968, I believe, uh, during like a celebration for the town overall. And it, they believe it stirred up spirits. I don't know. Again, this is one of those like very vague things. I couldn't find too much on it. Again, it's it's a weird, very small spot in this overall location, but it's within the triangle, so I mentioned it. Um, there's other spots, but those are for the most part like the bigger paranormal things that I found. And again, overall, walking around, you're going to see weird things. Okay, so moving on um, to our next little topic and sort of category of weird things that are happening here. We are going to move into the cryptids, which is like my favorite thing when it comes to like the weird and bizarre. I love just like weird creatures that might exist, but might not also exist. And just, they're just weird and bizarre and like don't make sense. And it's like a mystery and an enigma wrapped up in itself. So first off, I have these like listed by name because I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a nerd. Uh... (laughs) So, like a lot of wooded areas in North America, in particular, with very similar, like, strange reportings and sightings, again, like the stuff up in uh, Vermont, a lot of places in California, stuff like that, there have been sightings within the Triangle itself that are related to a shaggy, ape-like creature that has been seen roaming around or within the swamp. So... It looks like the Bridgewater Triangle may or may not have Bigfoot. What I mean what I mean by may or may not is the fact that no one really specifies that this is a Bigfoot. The creature itself is reportedly quote unquote a Bigfoot, but no one it's kind of vague. It might be like a weird variant, but no one really knows. It is, however, described to have a really horrendous odor, which a lot of the like the ape cryptid type things have, especially here in the North uh, North America. Uh, like skunk ape, a lot of weird ape variants in like California and the north. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, but we're not there. We're over on the East Coast. Um, so after one of these specific reports back in the 1970s, it ended with a lot of farm animals being killed. For the most part, the sightings within the triangle have been very like docile and peaceful sightings. There's no real reason to be like afraid of these things or whatever it is that people are seeing. It might just be one. But again, this particular report ended with like death in a way. So in response to this, the Bridgewater Triangle residents organized an exhibition or expedition in order to search for this quote unquote ape-like creature, which a lot of people also believe to be a bear. So completely reasonable i believe we have black bears in this area i haven't looked into boston pretty sure black bears because that's what we have down here and ultimately though this like search and this big hunt or whatever 
it came up empty. There was no traces ever found. There was no evidence relating to like a massive beast in the woods. So that's that was back in the 70s, though. There are still like speckles of things reported here and there. But for the most part, Bigfoot's not a major component of this, despite how heavily wooded and just sort of like rugged the area can be. So it's surprising in the sense that like, you know, most wooded areas have these reports and they do. But it's not like the prominent thing that people see, which I find interesting. It's a little like new spin to things. Now, one thing that has been spotted a few times, not too many, but a few times, is what people believe to be the Thunderbird. So, if anyone who does not know what this is, let me just talk a little bit about the reports. The creature that has been reported in the region, uh, both within and sort of around the swampland itself, is just weird and people have no idea what it is uh so some people report that they have seen a giant like dark black like pterodactyl like creature with a wingspan stretching anywhere from 8 to 12 feet in length one sighting uh in particular really really stands out like across all the others so back in 1971 police sergeant thomas downey was driving near Bird Hill in Easton, Massachusetts. Again, it's very ironic that he's like, this is like the first major report. It's on Bird Hill, where he claims to have spotted what he believes to be a six foot tall creature with a wingspan nearly double its height. So 12 feet. Uh, I don't know how many meters. I, I could do the math. I believe. I, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm in America. I. I'm sorry. So he watched as the bird or whatever it was flew off and then later reported it back to the Easton uh, police office and police district who, funny enough, laughed him off and continued to like ridicule him in a sense. Uh, but this guy stood strong and stood firm on what he saw. Like, he believes that this is what he saw. And to be perfectly fair... This dude's a sergeant. Like, why is the whole police station laughing at this guy? <laughs> like, I get it. Like, it's a weird sighting, but this dude's pretty high up there for the most part. So that was, like, the biggest thing. Because, you know, a, a law enforcement officer is reporting seeing this, like, weird six-foot-tall creature that's flying around. Now, some say that this large creature, again, as we mentioned in the beginning, is that of the mythical Thunderbird, a legendary giant condor-looking-like sort of eagle-hawk uh, bird that has really like magical powers and uh, is within a lot of Native American mythologies here in North America. For the most part, I don't know what the Thunderbird is supposed to look like because there are so many weird variants. So most people when they see like a big bird like creature in the sky is in especially again north america nine times out of ten people are gonna be like oh my gosh the thunderbird so again bear with me especially up here in the um the east coast that's like a very prominent i guess myth and cryptid here uh again we're in boston or we're near boston we're in massachusetts and a lot of that region, I guess even down to like, I guess even as far down as Florida and as far north as into Canada, you're going to have these stories and these reports and these legends. The Thunderbird for me, I personally believe it's sort of like a cop out. I under, com I completely understand like it's 
reasonable. It's like a local legend. It makes sense. It fits the the bill. But to me, like it's just these things are so vague in their descriptions, making it immediately be a thunderbird, a creature who is said to have these magical powers and and bring storms with its like wing flaps and all this crazy stuff and just be like a, a imposing figure of nature having it linked to just like weird black bird shaped sightings it just seems so vague to me again i think the whole thunderbird excuse is a cop-out no one has really have any solid claim supporting it being a thunderbird they're just seeing a very again pterodactyl like figure maybe a condor it's big i don't think there's any massive massive birds over here um besides like eagles and hawks um for the most part, I think vultures and stuff are over west. I don't know. It could be like turkey vulture, but I don't, do this fly? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling on. I'm trying to explain things that don't really have an explanation. So <laughs> moving on. Okay, so the next, I guess the sort of last weird cryptid thing that we're going to talk about. And I believe we sort of mentioned something similar back in Clinton Road. I, I don't know. The name just sounds so familiar. Uh, is the Pukwaji. Yeah, Pukwaji. Okay, so the within the triangle... Uh, above all these weird sightings of creatures and stuff, there is one that's very, very up there. And that is the very strange sightings of what people claim to be Pukwajis. So the word stems from Delaware and Wampanoag tribes. I believe both sort of have similar things. That's Actually, now that I think about it, that might be sort of why this sounds familiar, because the Delawares were sort of near where I am. So their, their tribe kind of reached down here. So that, that makes sense they might have similar stuff. Uh, so the meaning of the word Pakwaji uh, means the little wild men of the forest. I could be wrong, but that's what I found. Uh, and that's what the translation apparently roughly is. The creatures uh, were a part of Native American legends and traditions and are described to be dwarf or troll-like humanoids that are very, very short. Uh, they sported gray skin and had very large eyes, or sorry, very large ears, fingers, and noses. Just weird. So they're kind of like little goblin things that are running around. I think sort of like gremlin, but just with like weird spider fingers and a little bit taller. Actually, no, gremlin. Yeah, gremlins would be a good description. Just extend their noses out. These small beings uh, have all sorts of magical powers, as most you know, native or. I guess ancient uh, cultures, creatures do. They have weird powers and agilities and traits associated to them, uh, including behaviors such as disappearing and sort of turning invisible, as well as shape-shifting, because every forest creature has to have that thing. I don't know why they all do. (laughs) I don't know. I I think shape-shifting is such a weird thing that everything has. Some say that these creatures possess poison arrows, and they are said to be able to start fires within the woods. So they're sort of primitive but sort of tribal in a way if you visit the location be sure to watch your back because according this is weird according to legend and regional lore these small beings are known to shove people off of the acid ridge (laughs) the thing we talked about before within the freetown uh state forest and are said to be the reason why people are disappearing or getting lost or just mysteriously dying in general in the woods so above all this weird stuff, especially on the lead on the ridge, above the like impending feeling of having to throw yourself off a cliff, 
if you somehow overpower that feeling, little gremlin things might run up and just kick you off. <laughs> like, like what is happening? Like what? Like why? Like these things are just so weird. So you have to be careful. Again, body system up in Bridgewater Triangle. Uh, these things will either, I guess, take you somewhere. Uh, either kill you outright or just sort of make it seem like a weird mysterious or natural death in the woods I think essentially it just sort of sums back to like people getting lost in the woods and just dying from the elements uh, there are a lot of reports of children going missing in the region and a lot a lot turn up granted uh, but you know it's that whole like story and just like mystery and just sort of looming fear that we have when it comes to like a daunting force of nature such as like a giant wood and like swamp swampland so it makes sense that people would blame that sort of things on like a weird mysterious unseen creature in the area makes sense but i want to move on to another section one that is one of my more favorites too uh cryptids are still out there my number one but moving on we're gonna have ufos and uh weird like sort of extraterrestrial just general ufo sightings uh, that the region itself has. So the area, again, is also just a major hotspot for UFO sightings. The first recorded sighting uh, of events that occurred in the Bridgewater Triangle, or the area at least, was back in 196... Or, sorry, oh my god. 1760. Can't read a seven. Uh, and this happened after a strange and unidentifiable noise began to echo throughout the morning sky. So this led a lot of citizens to look out towards the sky and spot a very strange object hovering overhead. And that sort of thing kind of extends on today. A lot of people report hearing these like weird sounds or like booms and noises in the sky that like have nothing that is attributed to them. Like they don't know where it's coming from. So it goes that far back, back in the 1700s. So, oh gosh. (laughs) Um, One of the next major reportings was in 1968 so moving way up in time five people claimed that they had witnessed a strange ball of light hovering among the trees in the wooded uh, regions surrounding Rehoboth which is again a town that is the point of one of the triangles I'm just gonna this is the list so bear with me uh, in, in 1976 two UFOs had been sighted landing along Route 44 near Tr- uh, oh God. Trunton. I don't know where that is. Um, but they've been seen landing there <laughs> for people in the region. I guess it's another town. In 1994, the Bridgewater Law Enforcement Office reported seeing a rectangle. Or, sorry. Seed- uh, oh, my God. Oh, it's an officer. Oh, my gosh. I, I can't read this one sentence. <laughs> um, a Bridgewater law enforcement officer reported seeing a triangular-shaped craft with red and white lights. And then in the summer of 1999, a fast-moving UFO has uh, been accompanied by, again, the very loud, weird noise in the sky. Uh, and that was reported over Lake Nip... Oh, gosh. Nipanikal, I believe it's pronounced. Nipanikal. Nip and neck it. Oh my gosh. Um, I didn't pronunciate that one, so that's up in the air. You got you have free room to criticize that one. 
So moving on, there's about one like more particular stories. Uh, in July 3rd of 1972, so going back a few years, people in the South Shore area of Massachusetts, so sort of near where the triangle is, looked up into the night sky and spotted a strange sight. A large triangular shape has uh, sort of looking like a baseball diamond. I don't know why they said triangular. Uh, it's a diamond shape. Uh, it was reported uh, to be sort of translucent by a lot of people that saw this. So you can kind of see through it, kind of not. I guess in a way, sort of like a cloaking mechanism, if that makes sense, if you need a reference. And the local naval base received numerous calls inquiring about the object. To this day, no one has any answer for what it was, and the object was reportedly visible for over an, half an hour. <laughs> like, it's up there for a while. And at least 26 different individuals had confirmed seeing it on that night. So it's not, it's not a small thing. Again, this was seen in, like, an overall region, not a specific sighting. So a lot of people called in about this, and no one knows what it was. And then next up, we have along uh, with again along with all the weird sightings that people saw involving UFOs and just weird craft-like things. People within and around the triangle have also begun seeing bright spheres of fire up in the night sky, with some reportedly being so bright that it lights up the entire town. Like at nighttime, it just blink. And it's like sun, like it's just a blinding brightness. Uh, multiple witnesses have reported spotting these sort of balls of fire dating uh, back in uh, 2011, with just over 20 uh, separate reports being filed in by local residents on that particular incident. So again, this isn't like a like a sort of like isolated reports. Like these are being prominently reported on like people are calling in people are asking why this is happening people of the region are seeing this stuff um i don't know how much of it's true <laughs> um, but it's getting out there uh so that's the end for the ufo section unfortunately i wish there were more there are sort of more but they're all kind of again vague they're kind of typical like really short reports a lot of those were the bigger ones um, but moving on, we have a sort of the weird category that I'm calling like other. <laughs> They're like less extreme and they have more like probable explanations. And I guess sort of like they fall under true crime in a lot of sense. They have a lot of like real life application to them. So I just kind of made them, you know, their own little category. So first off, a thing that could potentially be in the cryptid section, and I'm sure people are wondering if they know about the spot, the mysteriously monstrous-sized snakes that are reported in the area. So these snakes have also been known to call the triangle their home, and these sightings uh, of these strange uh, reptiles, these slithering snakes, have been reported uh, on by the police officers back even in like 1970. So... These particular police officers in the 70s reported on this one uh, to the Brookton newspaper and is quoted as saying the following at that time. Nothing surprises us anymore. Last week, a motorist ran over an eight-foot boa constrictor. We still have not learned where it had come from. So people just don't know where it is. Uh, weird snakes keep being reported in the region. Again, 
This is the Northeast, so we do technically have different types of snake species. Uh, it is a little colder up there, but they're still here. I mean, here in PA, we even have like rattlesnake variants. So we have things up here, but nothing that big. We don't have a lot of constrictors. We don't have like massive, like meter long snakes uh, that are like these ones being reported in the triangle. So dating even further back in the 70s, there is, however, back in 1939, another report. Uh, the Civilian Conservation Corps, uh, along with several of its workers, uh, were completing a project on the King Philip Street, which is located sort of near the edge of the Hockamock Swamp. So these workers, while they're doing their job, they're working on this road, uh, reported seeing a huge snake as large as the length of one of a um, of a stovepipe. I don't know what a stovepipe really is. I'm assuming, since this is back in the 40s, or I guess about to be 40s, if you can visualize this in any sense, uh, the stove piping that leads up and out to get rid of the exhaust is what I'm assuming they're talking about. So I'm, I'm going to guesstimate here anywhere between like 6 and 9 feet-ish. So think about that. So these workers reported seeing that snake, and this snake is said to just be have like it just sat there and it was all coiled up and it just kind of ignored them was like i don't care you guys are nothing to me <laughs> before it raised up its head and just sort of slithered off into the swamp and just like was gone if you aren't familiar with like boa constrictors and other snake-like species down in like you know like the amazon and stuff like that snakes are decent swimmers for the most part so being in a swamp land it's just sort of at home uh, and with this legend of just weird snakes and monstrous snakes, uh, there is a weird correlation to the fact that a lot of these claims since this point, since like the one in 1939, at least one snake or at least just one report has at least come forward once every year. Like every year there's a, something that's happening with the snake. I don't know how much credibility this is. Obviously, I did not go back through at least 100 years worth of like research for every single year. So I'm going to have to just take this with a grain of salt. But with this legend, apparently like snakes just keep coming out of nowhere. No one knows why. No one knows where they're coming from. Obviously, you know, it might be someone's pet. It might be an escaped animal. It happens. It's weird that it keeps happening, but you know, it happens. And if I guess they breed out in the wild even more gonna keep popping up so moving on with the weird like possibly real explanations because again like snakes could be real um we have some of the more like true crimey type stuff that happens here this is short but it, it happened i guess so in the forest within the triangle there has been known to be a lot of sites uh involving various cult activity of the region again we mentioned that ridge at one point uh, a lot of people report seeing like satanists and cult stuff up there the woods itself are just spooky and it's going to attract that sort of stuff so this cult activity has been said to include a lot of animal sacrifices uh, and ritual murders committed by supposed satanists so near freemount or sorry near freetown and uh fall river in 19 in the 1990s police uh, oh my god Police discovered mutilated animals that are believed to be the work of one of these cults. So it dates back a few decades at this point. Um, people have been using the area for weird stuff for years now. 
again, it's not a surprise. Um, at, it ugh. it all seems to uh, have been killed in some sort of like ritual manner. Again, these animal sacrifices, and it has been suggested that it is the work of again satanic cults. The density of the forest, again, this is a like a heavily forest, heavily swampland type area, has also been reported apparently to be a pretty good dumping ground for killers. I'm not going to put so much credence into this because, again, I didn't look into, like, every police report possible. I don't want to, like, dive too far into, like, actual death stuff because I, I know it upsets some people. But there are supposedly some murders on top of these satanic rituals um, that take place. And the forest is just such a good spot to dump a body that people use it. Um, or just like they get rid of other stuff. A lot of like, I guess, illegal things happen there. Again, also in like the vein of true crimey type things. Um, again, people report a lot of children going missing in the area. Whether or not this has anything to do with, you know, actual people that's up in the air. A lot of these cases, again, the kids do get found. Uh, there is some we there are some weird, mysterious uh cues when it comes to this as some reports i believe there's one where a boy went missing and like a week went by they could not find him and then all of a sudden he's just found like he's perfectly fine no scrapes no bruises nothing he's like his clothes are clean like he's just, he's just fine and he just said like i was just in the woods i was just walking around the wood like he was just perfectly fine nothing happened and he just came back like that nothing happened so weird stuff like that happens Back a few years, I believe, again, I don't know how much credence I'm going to give this because I didn't write it down, but apparently people claim that potentially a serial killer may have gone through the area at one point as there were two young female victims that were discovered in the woods with certain organs and stuff removed. So people think, again, it might be like a satanic ritual. Uh, However, these two individuals were laid on top of each other, the bodies. And it has some relation to other, like, killings and deaths that sort of stretched up the East Coast a little bit. But the the article that I was looking into and the report that those came from, it, again, it's just so vague. Like, I wish there was more information on there. There, I couldn't find that again. So I'm just mentioning it. I don't know how much truth there is to it. For the most part, even within that article, it doesn't seem to say that there is, like, this is a serial killer stomping ground. It just says that, like, maybe someone went through at that point. But, again, you know, it might be the, the, the cults that people say are in the area. It's just crazy, crazy nonsense. Um, <laughs> I, we ended on, like, a dark note. I'm sorry for that. But, yeah, for the most part, that's most of the weird stuff that you get with the Bridgewater Triangle. For the most part, those are, like, the major stories. Those are the major locations, the weird ghost stuff that are happening and the monsters and weird things. Uh, but what is the Bridgewater Triangle? So this is this is all I have for like the notes and everything. So I'm just going to be talking freehand here. But when it comes to the Bridgewater Triangle, and again, if you need a point of reference, the Bermuda Triangle is a great point. Uh, the Dragon's Triangle near Japan. The what people believe this spot to be, and again, I don't know this 100% for truth. Don't criticize me. I'm not an expert. A lot of people believe these sort of locations should just sort of be like a vortex of just weirdness. Think of um, think of Gravity Falls, for instance. Uh, their explanation for why so many things were happening in that location 
is as I quote uh, that like it drawed everything to it. It was just like a vortex and just like major hub, everything weird. And this is sort of how Bridgewater Triangle is and all the other triangles out in the world. They're just sort of like a weird hodgepodge of everything and everything there is fueling everything else. And also in this case, like drawing in like satanic worship, weird people, like it's just keeps adding and adding and adding you just get this whirlpool effect of just bizarre craziness that keeps adding upon itself now some people think that a lot of these locations have to do with you know maybe like a event that happened in the past uh especially with the bridgewater triangle some people claim that it may have been a cursed location that some connection to the wampanoag tribe created some sort of like native curse there's not a whole lot of evidence supporting that, but that, you know, it's an explanation. Some people say that, you know, these locations across the globe have relation to weird, like electromagnetic currencies and relations to different long, uh, latitude and longitudes. And because they're on these like fault lines and stuff and these like latitude lines that because they're there, they have this weird energy vortex. There's a lot of weird stuff on uh more rational explanation may be the fact that people in the local area just compiled so many weird sightings that over time it just added up and just people who wanted to visit location just kept adding to those stories themselves and other weird people started reporting on it like me (laughs) um which is completely plausible too like don't get me wrong a lot of these things i think could easily be chalked up to just being weird reports and sightings uh or being a misinterpretation of other things but the idea that I have with these these specific locations and the reason why I like it so much and the reason why I wanted to talk about Bridgewater Triangle is the fact that like there are just so many things and just so many reports of different people, different groups, people from the area, people visiting the area, and there's just so much like history and just rich things to just dive in and just you're always finding something new. Like it's just awesome. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to technically add it into this episode because it's kind of going longer than I thought. Uh, I guess I can go. I can add it in. Uh, so I'm going to technically end this right now. I'm going to keep recording after this session. But off the note that I just mentioned, the fact that like people who visit the location and are from the location have their own stories. I'm going to be reading some of those stories because, again, I did report on this location uh, on my YouTube channel like way 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 back i published it in february of 2016 so this was like an early episode for me it's like it's like 10 minutes long so you guys are getting a lot more than that video ever got uh but since then people have been commenting and messaging and leaving their own stories and stuff so i want to talk about a few of them i don't know how great any of these stories will be or how much credit i'm going to give these people uh because again these are just people on the internet i don't know any of them in particular so bear with me and if you are a listener from that spot or if you're eventually going to listen to this again on youtube i doubt you'll get through um like an hour and 20 minutes at this point uh but if you do uh thank you for the first for the foremost uh but if you find your own story in here um thank you for posting it uh, so without a further ado, I'm going to, again, turn this off real quick, end it, uh, and then I'm going to come back and re-record uh, for you guys. So I hope you guys enjoy, and hold tight, we'll listen to some personal uh, and 
listener story type stuff. Okie doke. So we are back. Uh, this is like the third little, I guess, section. Uh, first, we talked about the backstory and some ghosts. And then we talked about the weird stuff that happened there. And towards the end of that little recording, uh, I mentioned that I'm coming back and I'm going to read through some of the comments and messages that I got in relation to the Bridgewater video that I made back in 2016. This, I like this whole new podcast format. And I really like the fact that I can go back into these like archive stuff that I have uh, and draw inspiration from some of the reports that you guys gave me. Uh, so first and foremost, um, about 80% of these comments are all people telling me how to pronounce uh, <laughs> um, Dighton Rock, which I believe I pronounced Digton Rock uh, back then. So I hope I have corrected myself at that point. Uh, but at this point, I'm not going off of a script or anything. I'm going to free free flow it. Uh, so bear with me, but I'm going to talk about some of the comments that people have. So a lot of these are from a few years ago. Some of these are from more recent. So I'm just going to go through a few and just talk about the more interesting ones that I have. Okay, so Hiker Dave Northeast Bigfoot uh, commented a year ago saying, I live right smack dab in the middle of the Bridgewater Triangle in Tr- uh, Truton. Okay, so Truton is a town. We mentioned that earlier in... Oh, God, when did we mention that? We mentioned that at some point. So that's in the middle of the triangle. Uh, I recently explored the swamp area. Again, this is a year ago. Uh, Just along the power lines, parking off of uh, the road on Route 138. Follow the power lines uh, heading west. I came across a dirt access road that led directly into the swamp. I was alone and am aware of the history of the area. I was really uncomfortable for some reason and I felt that I should leave. I did just that and returned a few days later with some friends. We saw a strange tree structure, we heard noises, and all of us felt like that we were being followed or watched at the very least. On our way back out of the swamp, we were, uh, we were overcome with an overwhelming feeling that we were being that we were being herded, okay, he wrote, he wrote that wrong, um, that we were being herded or escorted from the area by an unseen force. Maybe just a uh, psychological, uh, really creepy place uh, nonetheless. I do plan on returning in the fall to explore further into uh, the woods when it is more, uh, when there is more comfortable weather. Okay, so I mean, I, at this point, he probably has already done it. Again, it's a year ago at this point. Um, but yeah, uh, I actually haven't sat through and read every single one of these. I probably won't. Uh, okay, I'm not scrolling through it while I'm reading this. Um, uh, I live in Rehoboth, West Point of... I live in Rehoboth, West Point of the Triangle, and I have to say it is creepy as blank. Um, LOL. I try to keep this PG as much as I can. <laughs> Uh, LOL, whenever I drive by one of these cemeteries, I always get chills. Uh, Jimmy Drury writes, I lived in Boston all my life and only recently heard about the triangle, but friends of mine live inside of it, and I honestly was blown away by the stories they've told me. Many people keep, uh, many people keep what they say to themselves for fear of ridicule. My friend's niece was actually one of the... Vi- oh, gosh. Oh, they're... Oh, okay. This is sad, but... Uh, my friend's niece was actually one of the victims of the serial killer or alleged serial killer found, Ashley Maylett. 
Uh, I've heard about the Dayton Rock and about the huge snakes that were seen. <laughs> oh my god, you pronounced it Dayton. Check out the name Robin Murphy. She was 17 years old, was the leader of a devil-worshipping cult that was killing people. My friend just saw this video I posted on Facebook. I told him or and told me he saw the werewolf dog and how it was huge and fast, all muscles, about 175 to 200 pounds. I didn't know there was a werewolf dog. Where were all these in my research? Uh, again, I mean, these might just be weird things. Okay. Uh, he told me that he just kept it to himself, and then when he saw your video, he bugged out. I'm going down to the Hakamok Swamp this weekend. I've lived there all my life, and it's crazy that I've never heard of it until a few months ago. It's not that far a drive from me. Oh, wow. Okay, so great. Uh, this might give some credibility to the whole serial killer claim. I'm just going to hold on. I'm going to copy and paste and look that up. Uh serial huh okay wait, hold on this is actually some recent stuff that popped up when I when I googled the uh, the name wait how long ago did this person this person wrote three years ago okay hold on uh I live there with my parents it won't let me go into the forest or near the ledge or anything besides one of the churches in the woods have uh oh behind one of the churches in the woods there has been satanic sacrifices it's terrifying living here sometimes there are some real creepy things that happen. Oh, wow, Jesus. So apparently, I just looked it up. I just, like, Google searching the name um, Ashley Millette. So hold on one second. So I actually just pulled up an article from November 28th, or 28th 2018. Uh, it was written unsolved using uh, genealogy to unlock a series of murders, rapes, and Brighton. There are five victims, and investigators believe that there could be more. Oh my god, was there actually a serial killer in their area? Oh wow, okay, so uh, that might actually prove some serial killerness of the area. Oh wow, so I guess that claim from that one site that I couldn't find any other facts on has some truth to it. Alright, I mean, it's sad. But you know, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's just like it's just it's just baffling to me, like the fact that like, oh my god, this like might actually be a thing, uh, and like the cult stuff is just crazy too. Okay, so Rezeka writes. Uh, he he again criticizes the fact um, that I pronounced uh, the the rock wrong. Uh, he says I lived in or I live in Freetown and I walk to the state forest almost every day. I've never seen anything weird, but my mom gets scared when I walk in there at the night. She is paranoid that something and everything is out there. Oh jeez, <laughs> uh, my mom would be definitely terrified. She was scared of me going into the woods here, out in like the suburbs <laughs> of Philly, and like our woods are not that bad. Okay, uh, I'm trying to find like actual stories. Some people are just saying creepy. Triangle of the Strange. Oh my god, so many of these are just like, it's pronounced this. <laughs> it's like, I get it. I get it. But please stop. Okay. John Lamfer wrote a year ago, uh, I lived close to Bridgewater and spent a lot of time there going to school. I always felt something strange uh, about the area, but could never put my finger on it. 
I do believe there is some sort of spirit influence over the college. Uh, I don't know what college he went to. He doesn't say. Uh, it seems some of the buildings may have been haunted. Okay. I don't know what college he's talking about or what school he's talking about, but yeah, I guess he was there. I, I mean, again, this is a big area, so I, I there are probably schools there, so I'm just being ignorant. Uh, but, 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 okay, more stories. I thought there was more stories here. Okay, uh, Stevie Grant wrote a year ago, Freetown Fall River entrance. It's creepy. I live near there. Been a few times. Used to chill on the ledge and people profile rock as a kid. Dot, dot, dot. And place is swampy rural in the creepy place. <laughs> All caps. Uh, I comment, and then he goes back to like normal typing. Uh, I've been to ledge like 20, 30 times. So he's talking about the... um. I forget the name. Uh, the ledge where people potentially kill themselves. Uh, the Freetown River is creepy and Profile Rock. Okay, he's just saying what he's been to. Some guy like ridiculing me for calling it a triangle. I don't remember this one. Uh, even though I didn't coin that term. Okay. <laughs> Barely or Barry Boy Boy Barry Broiler uh, one year ago wrote. I live in the Bridgewater Triangle, and I have never seen anything weird, but I didn't even know it was supposed to be haunted until I saw a show on the Discovery slash History Channel. I can't remember uh, which one. Uh, the stone... Okay, now he's talking about the... He's talking about um, the Dine Rock. Uh, the stone has been moved to a safer place, so it can't be destroyed. Uh, so you can't come and see it there. There are seals in the state, but strange. But Boston. Oh, he's just talking about um. I don't know. It's weird. He he. People don't really punctuate very well. <laughs> wow. Okay. So for the most part, that's it. A lot of people are just saying creepy, pronounced wrong. Uh, triangle is strange, creepy. I can clearly see the image. Blah blah. blah. I live there. I live near here. I live near. Okay. People, I guess I mentioned seals or sea lions at one point because a lot of comments are mentioning that, like, seals live in Massachusetts. I don't know why people are bringing this up because I, 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 from what I can remember, I'm like, this is a landlocked spot, like the triangle itself. So I don't know why people are like, there's seals there. Like, they're probably near Boston. They're not near the triangle. Um, I don't know. Uh, I thought there were more stories here than there I actually mentioned. Uh, Stephanie Hathaway wrote, I live there with my parents. I live there and my parents won't let me go to the forest or near the ledge or anything. Oh, she's the one you wrote about the, um, or the, the sacrifice behind a church. Bridgewater, uh, hey, Bridgewater Triangle represent, not the tr crimes, of course. I live in the Bridgewater Triangle. Haha, ha, wrote Stephanie Hathaway. Wait, she wrote again? Oh, okay, she wrote somewhere else. Morgan Frey, 999. I lived in the area and just need to say that it's always been creepy no matter where you are. Uh, dude, it's like you throw a rock in any direction and, oh, look, a ghost. <laughs> um, Cindy W.H. Witter wrote, I lived east of Freetown for 10 years, not far from the forest, and agree all of the creepy things that happened there especially in relations to the swamp within Bridgewater. Uh, I remember Channel 4 WBZ doing a special on the Triangle back in the late 70s, early 80s, 
and the Norton cop was interviewed uh, already, although his identity was kept hidden. He since appeared in specials where he wasn't hidden, and time, the time of the first interview, the incident had not happened to him. Uh, a friend of mine, I don't know what she's talking about. Oh, uh, the, uh, sorry, the cop with the bird. I don't know why I'm like, what, what's going on? Uh, she, she continues, Cindy continues to write, uh, a friend of mine claims to have seen a Bigfoot in the forest when he and his cousin were camping there uh, to see if they could witness anything. He wasn't one to make up stories and was really shaken badly telling me about it and swore me to secrecy. Sorry to your cousin or your friend. Uh, it's now public knowledge. Uh, he Oh gosh, never mind, sorry. He, uh, he passed away, unfortunately, uh, but I've never and won't reveal who he is. Okay, well, yeah, she won't reveal who he is. Cool. Um, you didn't keep your secret, though, Cindy. The forest has seen a lot of bad things happen there. As we mentioned, the, there was a war that happened there. Uh, but I believe there's something to the reports that people have made. It's just easier for the public to dismiss these until they witness something for themselves. The triangle itself is large if anyone is going to investigate it on their own. I would suggest starting in the Hakama Swamp within Bridgewater. Cindy continues on by saying uh, the Norton cop who said something huge and silent flew over his patrol car while he was on Route 123. He said on the WBZ special years ago, he only saw the shadow, but it was really it really frightened him. He it really frightened him. Uh, that would freak me out too if I were to see it. Uh, also, if I don't know anything about it at the time. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see one though. Oh, good for you, Cindy. <laughs> I would not. Peter wrote, "I'm looking for a. <laughs> I'm looking to make a documentary on the Bridgewater Triangle. I am seeking people to interview as well on the location in which their experiences happened. If anyone needs to help, contact me directly through YouTube." He put a space there. <laughs> um, is that it? I think that's it. I'm trying to like go through all the comments of the comments. So hold on, bear with me for a moment. But I think for the most part, that's it. Uh, a lot of weird stuff, some more clarification when it comes to the, uh, the man, who, the, the officer reported seeing the weird sight. Um, okay. There's one more. I'll read this one last one. Um, Rezeka, the guy who wrote, um, that his mom would not let him into the woods. I did comment back on it, and he commented again, saying, Honestly, to me at least, it's not too exciting for the folklore, uh, more for the nature. I notice something new about the trees almost every day I walk by. However, you can camp at the forest, though. Uh, I'm thinking of going this summer. Okay, so he, he does agree that like there's a weird sense there, but he just kind of rambles on again. I think that's it. I think for the most part, that's all I really got asking about the website oh uh yeah by the way the website in relation to this is down um there was like a bridgewater triangle website specific for it uh it's gone i guess at this point uh but yeah so i think for the most part that's it um those are some of the stories and like reports that people who i guess wanted to comment on it uh did and they were interesting and they gave some more clarification uh there was apparently a serial killer in the area uh, if you look it up, there's actually recent news on it, so I don't know if I'll do a follow-up or not. Um, that's a little 
too true crimey for me uh for this channel or for sorry god i've got used to this being a podcast um for this podcast and i don't know uh i mean it gave some more reports on bigfoot potentially being a thing there uh we talked about a little more details with the bird sighting with the sergeant uh who reported it back to his uh precinct and some more specifications on some of the satanic rituals. So apparently those happen and people in the area are fearful at night. So I guess cultists do like to hang out in that location. That sucks. Um, I don't know why. I guess the whole spiritual vortex thing they have there is a draw for them. I, I mean, even if I am a cultist, I'm not going out in the middle of the woods at night to do random stuff. I'm going to get lost. <laughs> do it in my basement or whatever but yeah uh so for the most part i think that's it <laughs> that's all i really have for you guys um i say that for the end because i thought it'd be a little fun thing i didn't pre-prep that one at all uh so i was reading that live with you guys uh but if you have your own little stories and stuff if you are a resident of the area and you want to talk about your own experiences i would love to hear it uh, as always, you can find me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Realm of Unknown, or you can email me those stories at realmofunknown at gmail.com. And you can just find me anywhere when it comes to podcasts. Uh, I'm pretty much on any platform. I've got like two episodes on SoundCloud too. It's, it's crazy. Um, but for the most part, you can find me on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all that good stuff. Uh, and I hope to hear you guys from back for all your stories soon. Uh, I'm going to be posting a few episodes back to back. Some not as research heavy, some are. For the most part, I want to talk about more like personal stuff. Like, sorry, not my personal stuff, but more like personal stories and reports, as well as my own little insight onto them. Uh, and just pump out episodes because I feel so bad for like having these gaps in a recording. I just, it's been hard to really get a session in there. Uh, and at this point, this episode's about an hour and 40 minutes long. So I, again, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, email me your stuff, uh, Realm of Unknown for anything and everything. And I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, extra journey into the Realm of Unknown. I hope you guys can join us in our next little adventure. Remember to stay spooky.